All right, let's go to Second uh, Kings chapter 5. We were at Aaron's for a couple of days this week. Of course, you know, having a very, very active two-year-old and a very, not unusually demanding, but demanding eight-week-old, they certainly have their hands full. It just, it, it, you can tell it's just kind of tag team passing one child back and forth and just making sure that you haven't forgotten one somewhere in the process and one has gone unattended. But I can remember we'd been over at Trader Joe's and picked some stuff up and on, we were on our way back to get our car and she made the comment. She said, it's so strange to feel like the people who don't have any children also don't have any problems. And we assured her that the people that that don't have any children or whose children are grown also have problems. But, but for Aaron, it just seemed like that the only people who really have challenges or problems are people who have kids. I know that's exactly how it felt to her. We know the opposite. We know the fact that there's not a single one of us that don't have problems and challenges and struggles. And we know that to expect different would be naive or foolish, that, that we're going to make it through very far into our life without having to face them. The problem is sometimes because of the nature of the problem, especially the enormity of the problem, we have a tendency to do a couple of things with it. One is we can assign it to Satan, and that's always a real possibility. We can also see it as too large to overcome and just kind of sink into the problem and be identified by it. And what I want to talk about tonight is just a little bit of a different perspective on the nature of why we have problems and really what may be unfolding if we just have the eyes to see it, the ears to hear it, the spirit to receive it, that it might actually mean something else to us. So I want us to go to Second Kings chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. I've used a whole lot of words today already. There's just been a whole lot of words used up and I don't have a lot left. I say that for your encouragement. <laughs> I just, have, just have a few left, about an hour's worth. Now, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. And what a dynamic place to stop and just say what an amazing man Naaman is. How could he be recognized more, praised more than, than these words? I mean, here is a man who delivered Syria and liberated it. Huge credentials, tremendous resume, but I stopped one small phrase short that says, but he was a leper. What do you think stayed on his mind more? The great praise or the leprosy, the problem? There is no way. I remember one of... Uh, Shakespeare's plays, not because I read it, but because I watched the movie. It talks about how hard it would be to do anything enjoyable if you've got a toothache. It's just very difficult to focus on anything when the problem is of such enormity. So with, with everything he had, he also had a problem. Now, this is kind of the beginning of the story. What I want you to watch in this is what that problem ended up meaning to Naaman. I want you to recognize that by this problem, had he not had this problem, had he not had this unbelievable, overwhelming problem, something in his life would have never happened. Now, again, it's very hard for us to get into that thought process that maybe 
the problem that we're going through or the problem that we're watching someone else go through might have an end to it different than we're expecting, especially if we will do as Naaman did. So notice the things in order that have occurred. And I'm probably going to stop at each one and talk about it. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Okay. Had he not been the man who conquered Syria and had he not been a man with this particular problem, notice what would have, the first thing that would not have happened in this verse. He would not have had this young girl from Israel who was working and tending to his wife. But because she was and because that she knew God, what happens next? And she said unto her mistress, would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Okay, so far we could say, well, if he hadn't had the problem, he wouldn't have needed the little girl. Had he had the problem, he wouldn't have needed this encouragement. Had he not had the problem, he wouldn't have needed this advice. So we're still at the state of saying the problem is is still of no benefit to him. Erase the problem. You don't need this stuff. So we're now about three steps into this problem and we still haven't seen anything that we could say that the problem is bringing value to Naaman. So again, when we think of our problems, we may be several steps into it, still seeing absolutely nothing of any benefit to us. It would be difficult for Naaman to say at this point, well, I'm getting some real value out of this leprosy because I'm learning to be by myself a lot, giving me a lot of time for prayer. I don't think that what he would be saying, that is the benefit of the problem that he had. Verse four, and one went in and told his Lord saying, thus and thus said the maid that is in the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. Okay, now then we have seen the first evidence of something beneficial that problem created. But once again, still at the point where had he not had the problem, he would have needed the hope. Because the first evidence that something good is occurring is that Naaman has hope. He got busy. He did exactly what he saw fit. He prepared. He prepared everything he was going to give to the king, the payment that he was going to make. We know that he had hope. But once again, we're still in this balance. No problem. He wouldn't have needed this hope. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman thy servant to thee that thou may recover him of his leprosy. So you know, we know we've read this story many times. The king is, is in dismay because he has recognizes he has no power. He doesn't even know what they're talking about. But he gets the letter from the king of Samaria saying, I've sent one of my generals to you and I would be very grateful if you just send him back healed. That would be an interesting request that the king was trying to process. Verse seven, it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes, I certainly would, and said, am I God to kill and to make alive that this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeks a quarrel against me. So he totally misunderstood. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes that he sent to the king saying, wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, go 
and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in, in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do something, some great thing, would thou not have done it? How much rather than when he said to thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. So would it be fair now to say that this problem had brought him to this miracle? It's great, it's powerful, and it's dynamic, but what? Had he not been a leper, he would not have needed the miracle. So we're still not to the place. We're still very deep into this. And we could certainly say by many of the problems that we've had, that we've learned many lessons along the way. But had I not had the problem, I wouldn't have learned, needed to learn the lesson. So we're still kind of in this strange place saying, okay, Randy, you still haven't proven anything about the significance of what he gained by this problem. If we're really going to be able to say that God will use it, the sum of this needs to be something more than just the sum of the parts, just the advantage in, along each step. There needs to be something in him that is significantly different. In verse 15, and he returned to the man of God and all his company and came and stood before him. And he said, behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. We found it. Had he not had the problem, he would not have discovered the God of Israel. That one we can say, had he not had the problem, he wouldn't have discovered it. How many things, how far did we have to go deep into the story for it to become very evident that what Naaman gained was not simply the fact that he had hope when he heard the story of this little girl, not that he was just simply obedient because he did what he was told to do, not even the fact that when he came up out of the water that the leprosy was gone. Every one of those things, as great as they are, would still be answered by the fact had he not had the leprosy, he would not have needed a single one of these. But here's that power. Had he not had the problem, he wouldn't have discovered the God of Israel. I have seen, and you have as well, and me in particular in the job that God has given me, to watch people come into my office with problems and to recognize that, that they simply want one thing. They want the problem gone. Only to discover after maybe several weeks, maybe several months, that the problem that they had actually allowed them to discover not only something about themselves, but something about God that they would not have known had the problem not existed. Again, I don't encourage you to just relish the fact that you've got a problem. But I do think if we will allow ourselves within our story to, to do what we watch to happen here, watch for the messenger that this little girl was, how easily it would have been to just turn the little girl away, to make it nonsensical because she was from Israel. What could she know about, about, a, about a guy that was this strong in Syria? Could have dismissed it when it came to, to his wife. You know, whoever heard it could have said, I'm not about to go into him. I'm not about to give him false hope that maybe he could be clean. I'm not going to put myself out there. I'm not going to put myself at risk. 
to go in and say, you know, I've heard this. I'd encourage you to go. It's like, I know him and I'm not about to put myself at risk. For him to have completed his refusal when he heard what the, what the requirement was to just do something that was so appalling to him. And he could have at any point refused what his servants came and said when they said, had he asked you to do some great thing, would you have done it? How many points along the way he could have refused the help, the message, the encouragement, the instruction that he had been given and, 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 and still been desperately caught up in the problem? My encouragement here is to, is to just simply recognize that the problem you're facing may be the means by which God will introduce you into something far greater. I don't mean to intrude on his testimony, but we were talking last Sunday night about how God speaks. And, and Danny came up and asked me, well, what about nightmares? I asked him to share with me what the nightmare was. And within the dream he was having, Satan had him by the back of the neck, by the hair, and was just holding him under the water until he couldn't breathe, until he was just about gone. And Satan would pull him back up and say to him, you're going to die this year under again. And then he said when he woke up, the bed was wet just because of the turmoil that that nightmare had created. Okay, I'll ask you the question, was that a nightmare? My answer was absolutely not. That that was as much a prayer of God, a message sent by him, because when, I, when Danny began to share, and this part I won't share, but what was going on in Danny's life, the challenge that he was facing was brought to a head, basically, by that dream. What if he had dismissed the dream? The problem he was facing could have easily persisted. You see, we get very deep in these problems. We get very deep in these challenges. And we wonder how many times God has sent us messages of encouragement, of instruction, and how many times we have ignored it. When God is really trying to use that challenge to bring you into the fullness of something else, into a reality you might not have otherwise discovered. And Danny's sharing with me. Many of the things now that he and Judy have learned, and they can share those on their own, many of them that they have learned sprang out of those events, prompting something different, prompting just, you know, making them ready. Again, I I don't want anything to be critical coming out of this, but, you know, Danny had shared with me that his religious life had become Groundhog Day, the movie. And I think a lot of us can understand what he's talking about, that this Sunday looks exactly like last Sunday, and the Sunday before that, and the Sunday before that, and the Sunday before that, and how easy it is for us to get in that place. And it was, he was in that place when that dream hit, and that was the catalyst that caused some things to occur. Well, I think there are many stories like that, just many stories that allowed us to, to recognize that there's something more dynamic going on than what our eyes and what our hearts can first imagine. So the encouragement tonight, just from this simple story of Naaman, I can't think of many things worse than to be living as a leper, especially with all the credentials that said, this is grossly unfair. I have done what I was supposed to do. I'm the leader I'm supposed to be. I brought victory to this country. This is grossly unfair that I have this problem. But it was this very problem that introduced him to the God of Israel, to brought him into relationship with Elisha. What an unusual encounter. And what a profound blessing, only made possible because of the problem. Lord, we thank you tonight that we can just study this passage, look at it simply to know we don't always understand exactly what we see. 
We know, Lord, that Satan would love to take these moments and take these problems, using them and manipulate them and move us further away from you to just feel rejected or dejected and just know that Satan's great desire would be to move us away from the challenge and the problem and to just wallow in the discouragement and the frustration that had come. We know what he wants to do. But we also know in that same moment that that challenge and that problem, if we will listen, if we will understand with a little more clarity what is actually going on, the fact that you will draw us into great blessing, that without that problem, some things would not have been discovered. Some encounter would have been missed. So Lord, we don't always understand the problem, but we do thank you that you do and that you can lead us clearly, profoundly, with great wisdom into the discovery that's before us, just as we read in the scripture. So Lord, we thank you for this lesson tonight, for the life of Naaman, for the preparation of Elisha as he came to simply tell him the truth and let him discover the God of Israel. Let us too discover the true blessing at the end of the problem. Let us not grow weary in the middle when the things are not going well. Let us still with eyes open in great faith trust that there's a discovery for us that we otherwise could not have learned. It was the problem that allowed it to discover what we would have otherwise missed. Thank you, God, for teaching us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.